Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Thank you for reading, Linda. I appreciate it. You know, what we just sung about, where we sung about lead me to the cross, where we praise to the Lord, the Almighty, it really, all of what we are worshiping, who we are worshiping, it's meant to make a difference in our lives. When you believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, when you believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. When you believe that Jesus came on a rescue mission to save sinners who would never be able to save themselves. When you believe that Jesus came powerfully, not just to change individuals, but to save the world, to change the world. When you take into account his life and his resurrection when you take into account his ascension to heaven where he is praying for us, when you take into account the fact that he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, when you take into account that, as Wayne even read, that Jesus will come again for us, all those things are meant to make a difference. It's, it's a dramatic difference in our life, so much so that we should surrender everything to him. If that is truly what has happened, then our lives are meant totally to be used for his glory. We hold our lives just open-handed saying, Lord, just use me for your glory. It changes how we live. Now, the Bible talks a lot about what God has done for us, but it also, the Bible talks a lot about how we should live in light of what God has done. It talks a lot about how we should live in light of all these things that God has done. And that really is the heartbeat of James, telling us how we should live, because despite the fact that we know all these amazing things about who God is and what he has done, we still don't always do right. We still don't always think right. We need help. And the words like we just read in the book of James, this is amazing. They are breathed out by God. And we're told that words like, like Linda read a moment ago, those very words are the words that are profitable, are useful for teaching us, for correcting us, for training us in the path that we should go. And James, what James does repeatedly is sketch out exactly how we should put those words and what Jesus has done into practice. He sketches out that there are two very different ways of living your life. He often like makes it the contrast so distinct so you can't miss it, and that's, that's helpful to us. 
he causes us to notice, and it kind of functions as a mirror, doesn't it, and say, is this what's going on in your life? Because this is what it should look like, and this is what it shouldn't look like. So how is it going in your life? The contrasts are really sharp, and he continues to draw out the distinctions you and I need to say, need to see. And this passage that we're going to look at this morning starts with the question in verse 13, who among you, so I think he's asking it to Christians like, like us, who among you is wise and who among you is understanding? Followers of Jesus are meant to be wise and understanding. We're supposed to live in a wise and understanding way. But there are two very different paths of living out wisdom. And I want us to look at that over, actually it's going to be over a couple weeks because the verses that Linda read actually continue on into the next chapter. So there's a, a chapter break, even though the thought is still going on. So we're going to take a couple of weeks to look at these two very different paths. But I, I want you to get an overview and kind of this will form where we are for the next couple of weeks. I want you to see kind of a, a chain of events. And so let me just kind of highlight four words here for you to see that chain. So the first word is an approach. By that, I mean like a, an approach to living approach to living your life. And then James is going to say there, there is wisdom that comes out of that approach that you've already decided. We're going to talk about wisdom because there's different ways to look at it. And then next week, we're going to go and talk more about actions because that's what chapter four is really about. But continuing to see the overview, there's, there's results that these actions bring. So I really want us to see this pattern, and I want you to see how that plays out over an approach you take, how that will end up with results. And I want you to see how different those results might be, how different what you sow always is what you reap, but how different those harvests can be. So we got approach, wisdom, actions, and results. James 3.13 kind of guides us into the discussion of approach. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, or even by her good conduct, let him show his works. And he uses this phrase, in the meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. And the first way we kind of can approach life is an approach of humility. So that's one way of living our lives. And I want you to see how that plays out over the course of decisions we make. The meekness of wisdom, or some translations say humility, or other translations say gentleness. Someone has given this description of the word, and I think it's a good one. When we talk about humility or meekness, what James is saying is actually not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. That's humility. We're not talking about self-esteem issues here. Humility is not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. Humility is not just about like being quiet or being a, a little bit more shy or reserved. Humility is recognizing that when it, when it comes to how we relate to God and when it comes to how we relate to each other, humility is about not being impressed by our own self-importance, so much so that we don't think we're that big of a deal. We don't think it all revolves around us. We don't think everybody ought to like march to the beat of our drum. Genuine humility and awareness that we are unworthy before God and are totally dependent on Him. 
Humility comes when you recognize that God is glorious. Everything about him, everything about what he's ever done, what he will ever do, is glorious. Humility comes when you recognize that God is loving and good. This whole world that he's made. When he makes something, he says, it is good. It is very good. And he creates this world in love. That's the kind of the creator God that we have. It's all about him. God is holy. And we can see that again and again in scripture as it tells us exactly how he has to deal with sin because he is holy and we are not. And this world is not. So we get a clear view of exactly who he is. That brings humility. Humility because God is merciful, and we see that so clearly at the cross. Humility because God is faithful, even though on our best day we're not 100% faithful. He is 100% faithful. We see that even in the resurrection. God keeps his promises. Jesus rose again. God loves the world. He loves our neighbor. He loves our brother, our sister. He loves our enemy. God loves the world. And all that has the way of humbling our heart, saying, I don't have this overinflated sense of my own self-importance. That's humility. We line up our lives to live accordingly. James says, by your good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Humble heart is in the driver's seat. So that's worth like putting up the mirror and going, is a humble heart in the driver's seat of your life? Is it guiding decisions or is your own self-importance guiding? Because that is a very different approach. As a matter of fact, verse 14 is the opposite of that sense of self-importance. Verse 14 says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. So if one approach is humility, there's another approach, and James calls that out for bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Imagine that being in the driver's seat of lots of your life. And here's, here's going to be the hard part. It is going to be very hard for me to ever think, well, my whole life is about selfish ambition. No one ever really thinks that. I can actually spot it in other people better than I can spot it in my own life all too often. No one ever says, I'm a bitterly jealous person. Very few people come to that conclusion. So this is going to be one of those areas of deception that we're going to have to say, Lord, you've got to search my heart here. Because bitter jealousy is this. Bitter jealousy is thinking, you know what? If it's good and you have it, I should have it. And if I have it, I should have more than you have at least. I, I should have anything that I want. I should have anything. And it doesn't matter if it hurts you. If I get it and it helps me, then I have a willingness. I have an all-out effort to live even at the expense of others because I should have everything good that anybody else has. When that's in the driver's seat, where does that go? Selfish ambition, so different than humility. Than humility. Selfish ambition is me first, and sometimes it's not just me first. We don't stop there. It's like me only. Like, I, I have to get my way. You don't understand. I have to get my way. I have to be right. And I'll manipulate and threaten and bully and flatter and dodge and step on people. I'm going to put my interest above everything else. The ESV study Bible says this word, selfish ambition, is a divisive willingness to split the group in order to achieve personal power and prestige. 
willing to split the group. It just doesn't matter if I get my way. Are there places where any of this is taking root in our lives? Any place where this could be happening? Any patterns you're noticing? Very different approaches going on in the heart. And you can't always even judge by someone's words because Isaiah 29, Jesus would quote that in Matthew 15 and he would say, you know, there's people that will draw close to me with their lips, but their heart is like far from me. So we might even be verbally saying lots of the right things. All the while, bitter jealousy or selfish ambition is controlling a ton of the decisions in our lives. As we kind of move on from approach, kind of as we've looked at it, approach leads to wisdom. And we need to, we need to think through how exactly the word wisdom is used because it's used in a little bit different way in James than it's used in a lot of other places. Who is wise and understanding among you? There's, there's actually different kinds of wisdom in the book of James. And so if I, I get an idea or a description of wisdom to help me appreciate this, I think I would say this. Wisdom is insight into how the world works. Insight into how the world works and then using that insight to pursue what I want. So that's wisdom. Insight into how this world works. So paying attention, figuring it out like, oh, this is how the world works. And then using that insight to say, I'm going to figure it out so I get what I want at the end. You can see just even the differences of approach, how differently wisdom is going to take shape. There's a certain kind of wisdom that's going to be driven by glorifying God. If that's what I want, then I'm going to figure out how this life works and I'm going to live my life to glorify Him. That's a sign, that's a, a sign of wisdom. But how different is it when I'm driven by selfish ambition and I figure out how this world works? so that I can get what I want. And that's me first. How different. See, actually verse 15 draws it up for us when it talks to wisdom. He says, this wisdom, this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, that wisdom is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So the wisdom that comes from this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is earthly, unspiritual, and actually demonic. This is the kind of wisdom. If you track those words, it's actually alienation, like further and further alienation from God. Not even close to being on the right track. Earthly wisdom. Wisdom of the world. Only concerned with things that like I can see and I can touch and I can like put in my hands and I can be in control of. So if you're driven by this earthly wisdom, you would make similar decisions to what the decision was by Eve and Adam in the garden. Where they're driven by this earthly wisdom, and you know Eve has promised, when you eat this fruit, you'll be just like God. And if all there is is earthly wisdom, then, well, I'll, I'll just go, I'll go after that, because that's what I want. I want power, I want that kind of control. Or if you're David and you're the king and you can get whatever you want and you're motivated by selfish ambition and jealousy, and when you see a woman that's not your wife, you go, I can have that. 
And that drives the decision. Earthly wisdom, I'm the king, I can get what I want. You see how, how even what you desire, what you want, how, how, what is framing this approach begins to shape earthly decisions. And it's not just like, not just Eve and Adam and David that we could point out. It's why people all the time are going to, although God has placed them under authority, maybe the authority of their parents, it's why they go, you know what, I want to do my own thing. So I don't have to listen to it. I'll get what I want, and I'm not going to listen to my mom, and I'm not going to listen to my dad. Who are they to tell me what to do anyway? You see how that ambition drives the earthly wisdom. That's why people will be, live lives just controlled by greed, controlled by pornography, controlled by lies. Like, well, I'll get what I want to get. No one's going to tell me I can't. I want, I want to make sure I'm happy. And doing this, this, and this makes me happy. I figured out how the world works, and I'll get what I want. Earthly wisdom, unspiritual wisdom. This is, unspiritual wisdom is, is kind of of the flesh. It's not of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from God's Spirit. It's not the kind of wisdom that God's Spirit causes us to have. It's the wisdom, it's that earthly kind of unspiritual wisdom that Despite the fact that in Acts 1, 2, 3, and 4, like the Holy Spirit of God is moving and working. In Acts 5, you come to a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. That even though the, the Spirit is working, they decide, you know what, I want, I want to be recognized at church. I want to be recognized for giving generously. I want people to notice that. And so they lie because they have an ambition to be noticed. And the earthly wisdom says, I figured out how it works. Someone gives something and everybody like claps and applauds and they get their name called out and I want that, so I'll do whatever it takes in pursuit of what I want. But again, it's not just like Acts 5, 2,000 years ago. It's, it's why if the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, if that's the fruit of the Spirit, that's what the spirit is producing then this unspiritual wisdom is going to go who needs to love i'm in it for myself who needs to be patient with anybody i don't need to be patient i don't need to wait for anything or anyone who needs to be loyal i'll be loyal to myself who needs to sacrifice who needs to care you see how the just further and further it's it's unspiritual it's earthly and finally it's demonic why would judas betray the son of god who loved him why would Peter deny the Son of God who loved him? It's because there's a wisdom that says, I'm figuring out how the world works. And I think I'm going to have to make a, a short-term decision to get what I want out of this scenario. You see, kind of with, uh, with these earthly and unspiritual and demonic, you get the three enemies of God's people that are over and over in Scripture, the world, the flesh, the devil just again and again and again. When will we learn? But when we make those decisions, when we take that approach, when we go down that path, when we use that kind of wisdom to get what we want, that does lead to results. When we decide, I'm going to get what I want, even at the expense of others, that does lead to results. You can apply wisdom to a series of actions. Again, we'll look at more of that next week. But notice what verse 16 says, where, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, what there's going to be is here's the results. There's going to be disorder and every vile practice. Here's what's coming out of that. Here's the results. Here's the harvest. Here's what's going to happen is there's going to be disorder 
everything's going to be all messed up. There's going to be always trouble, and there's going to be every vile practice, all kinds of wickedness, every kind of wickedness imaginable. That's where this road was always leading. So you wake up one day and you realize there is so much disorder in my life. And I'm not talking about like my, my closet needs to be cleaned up. I'm talking about like everything is out. Like my relationships are a mess. The people that matter to me the most, it's a wreck. I, 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 I look at this and this and this and like I'm, I'm looking at all my life and it's just all a mess. There's so little good. It, it, it seems like there are people that are hurt in my life, and it seems like I'm the cause of that hurt. It seems like home is messed up, family's messed up, maybe even church seems messed up. There's constant fighting, constant restlessness. I'm never content. I'm never satisfied. Where is this come from? And James would say, I know exactly where it's coming from. This is where this selfish ambition was always going to go. This is the fruit it was always going to produce, the every kind of wickedness, every vile practice. You look at your life and you begin to take inventory. You realize, like, man, there are all these like slight or maybe large compromises. Maybe there's slander or rage or greed or pride or cheating or immorality or hurt or abuse. I mean, well, the question would be like, what am I sowing here to get this? James would like tell you to ask that question. Not just think through like, well, that's right. Their life is filled with disorder. I'll tell you someone who's like, James said, no, 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 let's not do that. Like, let's evaluate where things are in our own heart and pay attention to what's going on. Am I excusing anything right now? Is this the direction of my life? Could God be showing grace to like get our attention to go? You think it's just a small thing you're sowing here, but this is the harvest you're getting. This is where all this is going to go. There's a different kind of result that can come from a different kind of wisdom. Look at verse 17. This is such a good verse. It, it talks about the wisdom that is from above. And James has already talked about something coming from above in James 1.17. And he says that everything that comes, every good and perfect gift that comes from above is from the Father of lights. So every good gift, like every perfect gift. So one of those would be wisdom. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. And you'll see even the list of those. I, I want you to see this. The, it's pure, then peaceable, and gentle, and open to reason. It's full of mercy. It's full of good fruits. It's impartial. It's sincere. This is wisdom that is from above. Remember, kind of even in the pathway, it starts with Humility starts from knowing like my self, sense of self-importance needs to be really, really low. And all of that leads in a direction where we receive this wisdom as a gift from a generous father to us. This is what we really want. What we really want is God to be glorified. What we really want is our neighbor to be loved and blessed. And because of that, we know how this world works and we pursue what we really want. It's hard to know even where to start with that list, like all those attributes. But can I, can I make a suggestion to you that if you've not yet memorized James 3.17, it might be one worth memorizing. That list of words might be one worth kind of doing some hard inventory, meditating on. 
maybe talking with another brother or sister in Christ. So when, when James walks through those words, he says, this is what wisdom looks like when it comes from above. So the posture of meekness and approach of humility, this is what it's going to look like. First, it's going to look like something pure, free from any sort of thing that would like mess up your conscience, only, conscience, only things that are for our highest good. It's first pure and then peaceable. If the opposite, like the opposite of peaceable would be quarrelsome and divisive. So wisdom, when it comes into your life, the wisdom that is from above, what it's going to do is it's going to help you be a peacemaker. It means you're going to be able to bring people together who otherwise may have been apart. That's what the wisdom from above looks like. It, it makes you a vehicle of helping people settle their grievances. It means you are pure, peaceable, and gentle. The opposite of gentle would certainly be harsh. It would be when you are easily annoyed, easily upset at what other people do and say. Granted, I mean, this world can be a very frustrating place, but how quick are you on that trigger of being annoyed and frustrated? If you're like me, I feel like most of us in this season, like over the last, I don't know how many months, it seems like about 75 months of all of what we've been dealing with, it seemed like the pressure keeps coming and coming, and it seems like I get more and more of a hair trigger to be not gentle, but harsh. To say, oh, I'll tell you what, you know, it like immediately, the reflex seems to be maybe harsher than it was eight months ago. James says, but if you're getting the wisdom that's from above, that actually will play out in different ways, how, how you treat people. Open to reason instead of being closed and stubborn, willing to accept another person's view. Yeah, you have your convictions. Yeah, you have your beliefs. Yeah, you, you, you see things a certain way, of course, but you're also willing to at least listen to someone else instead of being stubborn and closed-minded and going, I, I don't have anything to learn from them, nothing to learn from them, and just so inward-focused. It says, wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruits. It's like, think through this, like showing compassion to people who are in need or those who are in trouble. And it actually has to, like, it can't be just feeling that way. It actually has to show up in some actions. Showing love full of mercy and good fruits. This is what wisdom from above, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to look like it's impartial and sincere. It's going to mean it's without pretense. It's truthful to others. No hidden agendas, no manipulation. Like, you're just, no, no hypocrisy here. You are sincere and you are impartial, no prejudice. So when I put all of those qualities together, I think, man, that is an amazing life. As I was looking and just processing all those different characteristics, I began thinking of even the people in this very room right now, who because the wisdom has come from God, I've been the beneficiary of this because you've been full of mercy and good fruits. I think of people in this room who have been gentle when they could have been harsh. And frankly, a harsh word would have turned me off, but a gentle word made me open to hear what they had to say. You see, there's so many things that flourish in this. I wonder if these words, pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere, 
Could we do a thought experiment? What if we took an activity log of everything you did in October? We're just 25 days in, but if we took every day in October, we said, how does that line up with this list? And also, can we add to that log, can we add everything you've communicated? Every word you've spoken, every word you've typed? Would it be first pure, then peaceable, gentle, very open to reason? The activities are full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial, very sincere. See, when we begin to walk through, okay, what, what is going on with this? And if, if I, here, here's another, maybe another thought experiment. Who in your life, who around you, who do you know that you would say, Curtis, those things are far from my life, far from my October, but I do know like that person is pure and gentle and like that person is full of mercy and full of good fruits. What would it take for you to be around that person more? To benefit more from their life? What would it mean to have more of those people in your life to surround you so that you might be pulled toward them instead of maybe those that you are like living around now? It's a question worth asking because this goes somewhere in the end. Verse 18 says, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So here's, the, here's where the results go. See, again, all this was leading toward specific results, and that result here is when the wisdom comes from above and affects actions, then the, the result is going to be a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of things that meet up to God's standard of justice and righteousness. Because these activities were flourishing in your life. That means there was a harvest. And what a great time of year to think through this. All the effort that was, went into planting something in the spring and in the summer, all the watering, all the effort. Now it's harvest time. And you reap benefits of all that. I wonder, what would it mean if because I was in someone's life or because you were in someone's life, because this week, because you were gentle, a harvest of righteousness was sown there. A harvest of righteousness was enjoyed because you were full of mercy. Because even right now you're thinking, I could do this for that person. I could let my faith bear good fruit in this way. I could be sincere. I can't be everything, but I could be that. You know, if, if I imagine something, if I imagine like Ogletown, if I imagined us, this family of believers. And if I imagine, okay, what would it look like if our approach generally was humility? All of us. I'm not talking even individually. I'm talking together. If we, all of us, were not driven by our own sense of self-importance, but we were driven by this. God is great and glorious and good. And my neighbor is meant to be loved and blessed and I'm here to serve them. What if that was driving our decisions? What if that was our approach and we knew that's what I want? And I figured out some things about how life works. And because that's what I want, I'm going to use all of that insight to bless my neighbor and to glorify God. Wouldn't, wouldn't that kind of church family be good for you? 
Wouldn't that kind of church family be good for your family? Wouldn't that be good for your neighbor? Wouldn't that be good for a coworker or, or friends? Wouldn't that be exactly the kind of community they need because they're getting beat up in so many areas of life? Wouldn't that be exactly what we all need to grow together? Don't those closest to you need that love? Could God begin to shape Ogletown into that kind of community that it's like something's different here? I know what's different. They are marked by wisdom that's a gift from above. They're marked by that kind of wisdom. And I say not just like Ogletown and not just in Newark, but I have to think that our nation and the world needs this as well. Doesn't the world need us to live our lives open-handed to God going wherever he wants us to go so that we could spread this kind of community. We say, here we are, Lord, imperfect as we are, but we receive your wisdom from above. Here we are, Lord, send us. Can I pray and ask for the Lord to make that a reality for our church? Let me do that. Our Heavenly Father, here we are, and we do pray, send us, humble our hearts. I pray we would not be able to discern everybody else's problems, but miss our own. We pray in this moment, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your name be hallowed. That is what we want. And Lord, I would ask, Father, to use Ogletown in such a way that the people of Newark, the people all, uh, all over our area would flourish because we are in their lives and we are a people of wisdom. We want to see a harvest of righteousness. We look out in our world and we see so much brokenness and so much pain and so few solutions. So boldly we pray, Lord, that the world will know that you are God and you are good because of how we live our lives because of how we live our lives together. And so through the work of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.